In this episode, we're talking tough with Massi Hutak. He's the anti-gentrification warrior from the Amsterdam North side. And besides that, he's a columnist, a writer, a father, and uh, yeah, so much more. I hope one day he will become the mayor of Amsterdam. And um, <laughs> I'm very honored to talk with this man, Massi Hutak. Welcome. Yes, Saya. Massi, thank you. Yes. You're, you're here. Yeah, fine. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Exciting times. Mm -hmm. How are you guys doing? Fine. Not fine. bad. Good. <laughs> good to have you here. Yeah. Excited. Nice to be here. Yeah, it's like one week ago that you launched your book, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yes. Can, uh, you, can you give a bit like what happened Exactly after? a week ago. Um, a lot of uh, great uh, response. A lot of uh, people insulted, <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> which, is, which is great response as well. So uh, it, touch, it touches people. Mm -hmm. No, but uh, I'm joking on the insulting part, but people uh, sending, are sending me messages with their response and with pictures of the f uh, book that they have purchased. And uh, some people like you have read it in a couple of days and finished it and send me nice messages. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm still in that mm -hmm. uh, getting messages all the time. And yeah, what's, the, what's the, the other side? like? You, yeah, so I saw something like there was a bit of white fragility as well. Not, not a bit, uh, a lot, <laughs> a lot of white fragility and white splaining. Uh, maybe uh, I should talk a little bit what yeah, it is about. This is the book uh, yeah. you wrote. Yeah, so it says uh, you didn't discover us, we were already here, mm -hmm. which is about gentrification and especially uh, my home, the north side of Amsterdam. And uh, yeah, the north side of Amsterdam has gentrified for the last 10, 12 years, actually the last 20 years, but extremely the last 10 years. And phrases like discover the North, yeah, uh, uh, yeah are very insulting. So I've, I've written a manifest actually. Hmm. And people who are uh, living in the North for a couple of years, mostly self-proclaimed progressive young people uh, who read, it, read this or read my columns are hurt <laughs> at, hmm. at first, but then, uh, immediately they uh, show some self-reflection. Yeah. Some of them don't, but it takes time. Mm -hmm. So I had a lot of DMs on Instagram from people mm -hmm. explaining me, my home yeah. and my work without reading the book. Yeah, I think, yeah. I think that's also what I liked so much about it, that um, when I had like a bit of like, is it like that, this? And then you already gave response. Like it was so complete uh, that that's what I really liked. But Talking about writing a book and everything you do, uh, and about this podcast, which is called Talking Tough. Mm. What's what's tough about you? <laughs> what is tough about me? Uh, wow, I, I like to call myself unapologetic, mm. but I don't like to call it tough, especially because I think that's something that I, I had to learn that. But I think that's something that I have to uh, make second nature. Mm. So not not explaining my existence yeah. uh, or not uh, showing um, that I'm thankful to be here and mm. thank you to having me. Thank you guys for having me. But um, a lot of places where, where I come, people expect that from, from me. Uh, and I think the tough part is that I'm very uh, straightforward and very strict in my uh, points of view. But uh, also very... You, you cannot know me and not love me. So, no. You know, so I'm very, uh, uh, the solidarity part is, is something that people don't expect. And I think that's the actual tough part. Yeah. Because being, uh, having solidarity, having love and having hope in hard times and in a uh, marginalized position is the toughest thing that someone can be, I think. I think that's also harder than to do, do it the other way, like yeah. hate or, yeah. Um, yeah. Being Something cynical. Like that. Yeah. And where did you get that from, that toughness? Uh, hip hop, mm -hmm. uh, Islam, mm -hmm. uh, and the north side of Amsterdam. Those mm -hmm. the, the, uh, my three parents. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, and my family. Uh, so uh, yeah, being being critical about the world and about what's going on in the world and not ignoring things, even if mm -hmm. the world gets very bad and ugly at, at times. Mm -hmm. Trying to uh, figure out a way to. Uh, maintain a relationship mm. as healthy as possible, but it is okay if it gets unhealthy or if you get sad and if you get mm. emotional. So these are the uh, things that I've found in hip hop, mm. uh, but also in Islam and 
um, patient, being patient, uh, always being aware of your surroundings mm. and taking responsibility for it uh, because we are all micro mm. parts of a bigger uh, yeah. scheme of things. Um, yeah, so hip hop, my faith, my home, mm. that's where I got it from. Like, and, and I was also wondering, have you always been like this? Because like, I, I also read something very vulnerable on your Instagram last week, and I have a bit of uh, the text here. Oh, yeah. Um, what did you say? Okay. You said something like, people thank me, see me as a hero, but I haven't been always like this. I also make mistakes and work every day in order to become a better person. Yes. Yes, and, and that actually uh, refers to not so long ago. Mm. Um, so I, no, I have not been always like this. And I, uh, I would like to say that I'm not complete uh, now. Mm. I, I'm, I'm, I know for sure a couple of years from now, I will look back at this period and say, ah, I, I should have done things better. Mm. But the self-reflection and the self-critiquing part is something that I've learned the past years and that I'm trying to apply every day. Mm. Uh, yeah, so no, I have not been like this, but I've made some, uh, I have a growing pro uh, process going on for uh, the last couple of years that's been very intense, mm. but very uh, healing as well Yeah, and, and inspiring. And is there then something like a specific thing that you're working on right now that you say, oh, I really have to become better in this or yeah. what's that? <laughs> that's, uh... Very deep. How how long are we into this conversation? <laughs> yeah, but that, that is tough. I, I just uh, said it myself, so that is talking tough. Um, realizing why I have some reflex, uh, reflex, right? Mm -hmm. um, where they come from, uh, traumas, pain, past, certain dynamics in relationships uh, with uh, my family, with women, with friends, with men. Um, and, and trying to reflect on that. What is that actually? How, how did it get like this? Where does it come from? And um, not, not being scared of the confrontation, which mm. is scary, uh, but being, uh, being open to it mm. in order to grow. Mm. And, and I would li really like to express that I'm still growing. Mm. And, uh, and I think that's something you keep, go keep doing. That's something that you always keep on doing if it's for you. Yeah. And, and how do you like, because it's a, I think it's also a tough process where you go through and you say that sometimes you're afraid or you find things scared and you overcome that yeah. and then you do it and you're very critical in your book. It's like an anti-capitalistic manifesto. Mm -hmm. um, how, how do you like, and if you're fighting these causes, it's like, like being an activist can be tough as yeah. well. Yeah. How do you... How do you stay sane and calm and um, yeah, go out of go out of your bed every day? Yeah, yeah. So that's one of the biggest questions that I have mm -hmm. uh, for the last couple of years, and especially in a period like this. Um, to me, uh, uh, praying is very important, mm -hmm. and picking up my faith and my religion in practicing it. Mm -hmm. That's something that I've done. Uh, I picked it up uh, the last couple of years more actively. And that started my healing process, my self-reflection mm -hmm. process. So praying keeps me sane. Um, my, uh, my family, my wife, my beautiful son, our beautiful son, mm. keeps me sane. He is, he's one funny guy. <laughs> um, he, uh, yeah, you, cannot, uh, be, you cannot not be humble being around him because he is mm. a personality, you know. Uh, uh, friends, having... having being blessed enough to have friends for a long period, the biggest part of my life, the same two or three people which I can always rely on. From my, North? From North, yes, <laughs> absolutely. My, my family, my father is a big mentor to me, my t biggest teacher, my brother, so they keep me sane. And, I, and as, as I get older, I uh, realize how uh, important that is, but also how exceptional it is, how blessed I am to have mm -hmm. those people around me, because that's the, you, you see my name on this book, but the, the machine behind this, the support mm. systems and the solidarity systems, that's, that's family. Yeah, but I think like in activism, you always need like a back. Yeah. And it's not only one person. They are also an activist exactly. with you on exactly. their own way because they need to yeah. support you. So. Yeah. 
Exactly, and my wife takes a big part in that. Mm. She, she really supports me through everything and forgives me and uh, yeah, helps me to, to grow. Mm. And, and uh, yeah, I cannot express enough how important they are. Yeah, do you feel like you're doing that for other people now? That you're supporting, you know, because you're saying yeah. a lot of people supported me and now you're able to support others, right? Uh, that's a great question. I like to think I am, but not as much as I would like to. So that's that's something to focus on for the uh, next couple of years and for the uh, from now on forever. Um, yes, as as much as I can, I like to support. Um, um, I grew up with a friend of mine, a, a girl, a lady from uh, the north side of Amsterdam, which I looked up to. She was actually like a sister for me. She is like a sister, and she said to me, "As if you're in your twenties and um, getting to know yourself better and getting to know your place in the world better." It's a shame if you have not a teenager uh, which you are mentoring. Mm. You should always have at least one teenager that you look after and coach like we didn't had, uh, didn't have at that time. Um, and that's something that always stuck to me. And uh, so I have some teenagers in my uh, surroundings that I like to uh, yeah, look after and support and uh, coach. But as I said, I would like to do that uh, much more. Yeah, I also think that that's something uh, everyone should do, like in order to, if you if you find the power and have the power, then empower others yeah. and take them with you under your wings. Exactly. And that's how we can grow as a society. Yeah. If everybody does that, then we get there. But if yeah. we keep on claiming things for ourselves, we yeah. won't get there. Put your ego yeah, aside. Yeah, you know? yes. and, and uh, yeah, look at the bigger picture. You each so, one, teach one. Yeah, yes. exactly. Yeah. And um, yeah, I think that's a beautiful thing. Hey, Massey, I, I, if I, if I see what you do, if I read your book, if I, you know, I follow you for uh, for a while now, and I, I, I know you. If you're from Amsterdam, you know Massey. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Um, I, I thought this man should become a mayor one day. Is that also something <laughs> you think about sometimes, or a mayor from Amsterdam North? Uh, if it is possible in the future to not be part of a political party, but be a mayor, mm. <laughs> then I would yeah, say yeah. yes. Yeah. Uh, but if I have to become part of the political system mm. uh, as it is now, I would say no. Um, and, and because, uh, yeah, so, so this book on gentrification, it's finished, but mm. my journey is not finished. I'm, I'm learning every day. Mm. And as I learn more and more, I start to believe that um, how uh, locally things are organized, I would like to make a difference there uh, on the micro levels, which actually aren't micro levels. Mm. It's people's lives and it, that those are big things. Mm. So I would like to become the mayor of my street yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, if, if the people choose to. You, you prefer to become the mayor of your street. Yeah. And if I think about this or when I, like if you look at how the political system works, sometimes I think we need to have the people on the side who push the politics yeah. into the right direction. And I don't know if you can do the same, if you can have the same impact as you have now yeah. when you are in there. So exactly. the whole municipality of Amsterdam needs to read this and all yes. the people who are in there in order to, uh, yeah, and I think they, and maybe not just even the municipality of Amsterdam. Like, uh, I'm based in Berlin right now, and it's and I have a lot of people in Amsterdam, obviously, but also in London and different cities. And it's really interesting to see how uh, gentrification is happening everywhere. Mm. And also for for me as a person of color, it's very interesting to see what my position is. Like the title of your book is "You Didn't Find Us; We Were Already Here." In the same sense. Uh, Dutch people, white people were here already. Mm. I come to this for some, whatever reason. I came to to Holland. I came to Amsterdam. I came to the country I was born and raised in. And I also take up some sort of space. Mm. And what I find interesting is to see how you um, even take us uh, who came here, take us a step back to make us aware where we are, what we're doing, how we infiltrate and what traces we uh, uh, leave behind. Mm. I think that's very, very, very interesting. Um, I, I really had to think about the Columbus syndrome when I saw the title. Yeah. Yeah. Like, um, yeah, what's your, what's your place in this society, in this hood? And I think that's a question yeah. we should ask ourselves a yeah. lot more. Yeah, because, because you said um, 
you have problems or you find it insulting when you read like discover words. Yeah, yeah. But why? Uh, uh, for my research, I went to Brooklyn, and that's where I uh, stumbled upon Columbus Syndrome. Spike Lee talked about that at the university. And in Brooklyn, there were uh, graffiti pieces almost all over the place saying, gentrification is the new colonialism. And being from Holland, being nuchter, <laughs> I was like, whoa, that's a, that's a hard thing to say. But as I uh, did my research and as I uh, learned more stuff, I found more parallels between gentrification and colonialism and that colonial thinking of discovering places, of uh, taking up space, bringing civilization to working class neighborhoods as if we were wild animals, <laughs> not civilized. Uh, uh, that's, that's what's insulting. And what makes it complex is that the uh, majority of the people that move uh, to these working class neighborhoods uh, that are being gentrified are actually great people, good people, progressive people, and you do not expect it from them. And uh, that should be our allies. Mm. And, and they, are, they have some uh, blind spots and you have to talk to them about it. Um, but they are not the problem. They're, they are symptoms of the system that is the problem. And what insults me is the uh, colonial thinking about gentrification and the colonial parallels. But what gives me hope is that a lot of people are getting uh, awake and aware of their position, just like Shamiro said. Uh, becoming aware is the first and the biggest step. Uh, yeah, daring to change, a, yeah. yeah to a change and to a to a sustainable change, because we have to go through this thing together. At the end of the day, everybody loses in the in in our in our uh, in the form that gentrification takes place as it is taking now. Everybody loses eventually. Um, even the people that can buy those houses, they uh, they. Uh, it doesn't matter anymore if you live in Bushwick or in north side of Amsterdam or in the south of Rotterdam because all these places look alike. Or Kreuzberg, all these places look alike. It doesn't even matter. So why yeah. why why would you even live there? Yeah, and and you speak up a lot about this topic, gentrification. Why do you think? Yeah, why why do you personally think it's an important topic? Uh, because it's taking place all over the world. And um, we are letting it take place all over the world. And when I say we, I talk, uh, I mean people who live in the city, so not people in positions of power uh, specifically. I also mention them. But in the first place, the inhabitants of these neighborhoods, we let gentrification take place as if it is something natural. And, and it is not, but it is uh, being fed to us uh, as if it is. That's, that's how things go. That's how economy works. This is how cities work. Uh, social dynamics change in cities. That is a natural process. But gentrification is policy. And uh, I think it's very important for people to be aware of that because uh, we have rights. We have human rights. The, uh, it is a human right. Housing is a human right, universal human right. And uh, that is being uh, violated by governments because poor people live in very poor conditions for decades and they pay rents and the services are not being taken care of their homes. Their homes become uh, dangerous places for them to live. The water is not healthy. Uh, uh, it can get burned anytime. Look at Grenfell Tower in London. Um, so these are policies. This is not a natural process. And uh, policies, especially bad policies, we have the right to stand up against that and uh, seek our human rights. And um, that's, that's why I think feel, it's a burning topic. Yeah, do you feel like, so, so I'm, I'm listening to, your, to what you're saying, I'm reading a lot about gentrification. So me and you, are we also part of the problem? Like I moved from Limburg countryside to Amsterdam, living in Oudwest, living that city life. Am I also part of the problem? Are you part of the problem? Like. Yeah, uh, yeah. It is very complex. It, it is really complex. Um, uh, so I think you are more part of the problem than I am, <laughs> <laughs> um, to, right. to be honest. Uh, because uh, I don't know how long you live in Amsterdam and which part, but um, when, I, when I moved to Amsterdam, that was the uh, late 90s. Um, my family and I came to Holland as refugees from Afghanistan. And uh, our... Uh, 
us arriving in the north side of Amsterdam didn't marginalize other people. It had it didn't have any economic uh, economical consequences for people who were already there. So us coming to the neighborhood didn't uh, rise uh, their rents. Um, I'm not sure how that is in your position, but uh, it, it is still my responsibility. If As long as I don't take my responsibility, I am part of the problem. As long as I don't inform myself and don't take uh, action, then yes, you are part of the problem. But it is a really uh, small change of mind to become part of the solution. Yeah. And that is uh, getting informed in the first place. Inform yourself because I am very happy that gentrification is now a topic and it's on the agendas and people talk about it, but it's still our responsibility to research what are we actually talking about. Uh, and uh, gentrification. These are also small things, right? Like buying your, your vegetables yeah. at the you know, Turkish-owned yeah, supermarket exactly. in the street instead of Albert Heijn. And exactly. Yeah. And that's more sustainable because uh, if you support those locals day in, day out with things that you already do every day, so you don't have to make a big change in your daily life. Yeah. You do groceries every day, so why don't you go to the local stores and then you can sustain that and that, that can make a positive impact. Yeah. And how has gentrification shaped your life on a personal level or your loved ones? Yeah. Uh, so we, we uh, the last 20 years that I've lived in the north side of Amsterdam, uh, it, it was always known as the part of the city that wasn't actually Amsterdam. It's on the other side of the river. And uh, people always looked at it like that's the part of the city where the crazy people go or the people who, who have no place in the center. Um, and that's a class thing. It's really a class thing. So low-income people, working-class people, people with... Uh, uh, yeah, low education uh, or no education. And and it, it was neglected for a long time, overlooked. While we were saying, hey, we need these resources. We need clean streets. We need uh, safe neighborhoods. Uh, we need better schools. We need safe housing. Uh, and uh, we didn't get any response really to that. And now these resources are coming to the neighborhood and we are being pushed out. So a lot of my friends don't live there anymore, and they uh, they went to the yeah to the suburbs of Amsterdam, and uh, for me I, I feel a lot of pressure because my rent rent is going up uh, and and you know I, I'm looking like I'm looking at it like how long can I live here? This yeah. is home for me. I I can get something at the other side of Holland, a a, a house, but not a home. And, and North is home, you know, the surrounding, the, the community, the people. And, and let me state it clearly, it, uh, the North side of Amsterdam was and is not a paradise. <laughs> you know, we have a lot of problems still. We had a lot of problems. But what we did have uh, was community and solidarity uh, and people looking at each other, mutual aid, uh, naturally. Uh, and that's not thanks to the being neglected, but despite being neglected. And, and that's, uh, yeah, so, so I feel the pressure as well. I'm not in a position that I can buy a house now uh, in, in the north side of Amsterdam and secure my position of that of my child. But, you know, my son is born in Amsterdam. I'm not born in the Netherlands, but he is born in Amsterdam. He has all the right to be able to live there if he wants to. And, yeah, I'm very, very concerned about that. I, I, I'm one question in between. Like, I'm so curious how you can create a community when the political, when there's so much polarization going on in your hood as well. Yeah. Because on the one side you have these yeah. people who are very right wing. Yeah. And on the other side you have people who vote the completely opposite. Yeah. How do you get them, how can you get them together? Yeah, that's that's one of the biggest challenges. I have no, uh, uh, how do you say, uh, uh, no full answer for that. So yeah. that's, that, that, that answer is in, uh, in progress. But right now, uh, when we get together with my crew, Verdedig uh, Noord, Defender Noord, we invite a lot of people uh, from the North and we don't ask them, what do you vote? We ask them, what are your dreams? What are your concerns? What are your hopes? Aspirations. Uh, yeah. Aspirations. What does the North mean to you? And if it were up to you, if you had the resources and the position, what, where would you like to choose to, to live? And a lot of those answers are the same. So even if you uh, 
vote at the elections this side of that side, when you ask people about their dreams and their concerns, they share a lot of same answers. Yeah. And then, then we try to, uh, yeah, try to ask some more about how, why do you think that is? Why do you think the rents are going up and we have the same problems? We are not each other's enemy. We, we should actually be allies. And, and these politicians who try to polarize us, um, yeah, you know, they promise a lot of things, but if you look at the past, if you look at their programs, if you look at their behavior in the parliament and their own voting behavior, it's very uh, uh, contradictive. Mm. Uh, so we try to bring awareness and ask each other, how can we... Uh, so then, then becomes the voting part. How can we, when the election comes, uh, vote more sol uh, with more solidarity to keep this place, which we all call home, mm. a home for, for all of yeah. us? Yeah. But it is a big challenge. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, you're trying to build bridges between different groups of people. How do most people react? Is there also a lot of criticism or is it mostly love and... Uh... No. <laughs> uh, no, um, well, uh, for the younger generation of, uh, of North shows a lot of love because they, uh, they had actually given in uh, saying it's a natural process. I cannot live near my family anymore or this place that I call home, I cannot live there anymore. Too bad for me. And they show love because they get aware and, oh shit, this is not a natural process. This is policy and I have rights which I can defend. So they show a lot of love, but obviously you have a lot of critics as well uh, who try to keep on defending. It is, it's the best thing for, uh, for, for the North or uh, stating that I am against change. And that's, that's, that's uh, a, a criticism that I hear a lot. Masi is against change. So they're saying, okay, these, the, the neighborhood also flourished because yeah. it, you know, people came, there's more money in the neighborhood, yeah. it became better, became safer. So you're saying, they're saying that you don't like that change, yeah. but it's yeah. more nuanced, right? Because It is nuanced, but it is not change. Gentrification is not change. It's the extreme result of unchanged policy. What we want is change. We want a revolution. We want, to, we want politicians to be, uh, um, to be tough enough to say, you know what? Uh, we, we won't go for the uh, growth as, as if that's the most holy thing. Uh, the economy has to grow despite of everything, uh, despite of pe people's health. Uh, we need to only build wealth, wealth, wealth. And, and that, that uh, how, how we see it today, that's the result of, the extreme result of unchanged policy. So gentrification is not change. Uh, what we want is change. Uh, and we say, yeah, listen, you, you need to dare to let that go, like it happens in Berlin, where, where uh, the government says on a political uh, level, you know what, we have a, a rent stop mm. or a freeze. rent freeze and we buy back property. So, so there won't be uh, one or two parties that have a economical uh, monopoly because that leads to very nasty situ situations, especially yeah, right. in Germany, uh, what we have seen in the, in the history of the country. Um, and that is change. That's people daring to stand up on a political level. And that's uh, uh, a lot of credits to the citizens of Berlin that went out on the streets, tens of thousands of people um, uh, stating their human rights that, that were being violated. Um, so that's, that's a criticism that I hear a lot as if I'm against change. Once again, the north side of Amsterdam today in 2020 looks a lot better than 20 years ago when I grew up, a lot cleaner, safer, and prettier. Um, so I'm, I'm rooting for that. But it automatically means being the, the pushing of a lot of people that grew there yeah. and were born there. And that's the, that's the problematic part. You just spoke about <clears throat> people in, in Berlin or Germany like going on the streets and protesting. Obviously, I know Germans Just, just like French people, they're kind of like protesting. They yeah. find it. But do, do you miss that energy here in Amsterdam? Uh, and do you, do you think, um, and why, why, do, why do you think people don't do that? Or Yeah, I have asked myself that question a lot. So what needs to happen more for us to go on the streets? You know, Because it's, it's going on the street, uh, like, is that the answer though? Yeah. It's like, uh, um, or is that a way? I think people, yeah. Yes, if, if you look at Berlin, it is, it is a way to, to give a signal to uh, 
the city uh, council, we have, this is it, we have had enough. And, and I think everything that you can do, you should do. That is your responsibility. And as a, as, as a, as a group, it is impactful. Tens of thousands of people marching in the streets is very impactful. Uh, you know, The Guardian, our local papers, everybody uh, wrote about that protest in Berlin. And um, the, the city council has taken action. So I think, I think it is very powerful, but that's, that's mostly an event. And that's the thing that I'm uh, trying to be critical about, because it has to go hand in hand with sustainable actions. And that is uh, changing the way we live every day uh, and trying to do the smaller things, buying local, mm. informing yourself, but also getting politically informed yeah. in your neighborhood with, with your local po politics and um, yeah, letting your voice uh, being heard. I think, I think also like people can pr protest. If I, if I look at Amsterdam North, maybe people like to protest, but I think also that's not enough. Maybe the same people who fight gentrification still go to those um, fancy like stores where you can get a coffee for three euro fifty yeah. instead of going to another store which is there for ages uh, where you can have nice coffee with the with the locals, you know. Yeah. But, but can I, I get my flat white or <laughs> can I not? Of course you can. But of, of course, no. There is no but. Of course you can. Of course you can. And there are a lot of other great local stores that you should also go get your groceries. Because mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of young, like people who listen to this podcast, don't necessarily know what age, but I feel like a lot of young people who either study uh, in a big city or wanted to live in a big city, uh, um, like I don't, I don't necessarily think they're struggling with this idea, but it's also that, you know, you want to be, you want to live in a fiber neighborhood. You want to uh, be this whatever type of individual, um, you're young, so you're, you want to move your way up on the social or economic uh, ladder. Uh, you have your taste in foods and, 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 and clothing and, and whatsoever. Um, I, I'm still looking for where I can um, do something and where I can actually find, uh, find something where I feel that I really like help the neighborhood. Um, because I understand gentrification and I want to do something about it or against yeah. it. Yeah, I think um, not being judgmental is one, one of the biggest things. So if you have a certain, and not you, Shamiro, but mm -hmm. the people in, uh, that we are talking about, uh, if you have some taste or, or lifestyle uh, that's not better than someone else's. Uh, and, and what do you mean by that? A lifestyle that's better than someone else? Uh, you know, uh, if, if the neighborhood gets a lot of vegan stores, and we have still the uh, old school uh, butcher. Butcher, thank you. That is okay. Not being judgmental of that, and and understanding that, or, or people driving cars, you know. So the the streets in Amsterdam, I think it's a great thing. To the the one of the one of the better things that our green parties are doing in the city is uh, getting rid rid of all the parking lot fumes. <laughs> and, it, because, it, yeah. uh, and and I, I drive a car a lot, so so it's against my uh, uh, belong, uh, my uh, your interest, my your... interest, my day to day interest. But I think it's a great thing. But um, the thing that I'm seeing is that it's judgmental that people with a car should not drive a car as if it is something easy. While there are people in my neighborhood who are very depending dependent of a car big families, children going to yeah. sports or school or groceries, and even people helping other people who cannot move very easily from place A to place B. So not being judgmental and trying to understand, being sensitive. Mm. Uh, I have come to this place, uh, what, what, how much space am I taking in and what is my space and uh, how can I help? So how can I not yeah. only take in all the vibrant and the good stuff that I want to be part of, but what can I give as well? Respect your neighbors. Respect your neighbors. Yeah, because Greet I them. also feel like there's a lot of student housing in the middle of the city. And I used to be a student and I was living in this uh, Jordan, you know, vibrant mm. neighborhood in Amsterdam. And there was this old lady, she was maybe 70, and she was coming to the, to the building crying every day because there were so many parties on the roof. But in the Jordan, it's like everybody lives on top of each other. So 
And she was just like asking, like, can you please, you know, put the music a bit uh, lower, you know? And the students were not giving, you know, anything in for her. Yeah. Because, and I was like, but she lives here for like years, you yeah. know? So I'm not saying that she has more rights, but you should also respect the people that have yeah. lived here because suddenly their neighborhood changed. And I feel like that kind of realization that doesn't happen with a lot of people that, you know, are yeah. new in a certain space. They're just like, yeah, I just want to party, you know. But yes. I feel like that realization is really important. Because I had a, I had a conversation with her and she was like, I like you guys. I have nothing against you. But, you know, it's also my life. I yeah. live in a small building, you know, for all these years. And then suddenly… Yes. Yeah, being sensitive to your yeah. surroundings, to your neighbors, respecting them. And exactly what you just said is, the, is a very important thing. Uh, Everybody's welcome to the north side of Amsterdam. You, uh, you, you do not have to explain to me why you fall in love with the north side of Amsterdam. I understand. And, but we have also the right to remain living there. And uh, so they have no more rights than us. Maybe we have a little bit more rights because mm. we have lived there long and paid rents and built the neighborhood up because the neighborhoods are being advertised with things that we have built. You know, vibrant and uh, a lot of cultures and... Uh, authentic Amsterdam uh, character or all of these uh, languages that are, that are being sold are actually selling the things that we have built. Uh, so we have at least more rights on that. Yeah. But should your son get an urgency, imagine there's a building being sold yeah. or rented out. Yeah. Should your son get urgency over people that are come, newcomers? Uh, yes, we have a manifest with Defend the North which, in which we state that the people who have lived there their whole lives uh, yeah, should be able to uh, get a place when new houses are being built f first. Uh, because they, these are people who are in their 30s, have uh, finished their uh, schools and universities, have jobs, um, good jobs, but they're living at home because they cannot uh, rent or buy anything. Um, yeah, it, sh it should be possible for them to have the first chance to go into a new building with great apartments, I think I think they should have urgency at this at this time, because because it's getting very uh, difficult to to live in 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 Amsterdam and in the north side of Amsterdam. Are a lot of new homes are being built more than anywhere else in Amsterdam, uh, and we have so much young people living in, uh, at their parents' house, but. These houses are not being built for them. Yeah, they are not even be, being built for the middle class uh, in in Amsterdam. Not for the teachers. Not for the police officers or the writers. I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask a question just because I'm really curious if people ever said this to you. And I know it's a bit tricky, but did people ever use your like refugee background in this topic against you, like saying like, "But you were a newcomer yourself, yeah. so you should understand people." Yeah, that you know are <laughs> exactly new these words. I, I, yeah. Exactly these words. Yes. Uh, People say that, and and uh, so f so there's a lot of I have a lot of things to say to that because it's very problematic to uh, compare refugees to people who are in a position to choose where they live, yeah. while refugees do not have any position to choose whatever <laughs> to choose to live. Uh, period. Uh, and and uh, we we were being placed in the north of Amsterdam as soon as we got a home, and we heard from the government of Holland, from okay, you guys can stay here in this country. We believe you, and we uh, give you this uh, opportunity. Uh, they placed us, and and uh, the the new newcomers, the gentrifiers, they have positions where they can choose where they live. So they, uh, it's not the same um, balance of power. Yeah, uh, and and uh, the other thing is that um, my uh, so what I just said when when my family came to the north side of Amsterdam, it didn't marginalize other people who were living there for a lot of for, for much longer. It didn't had any consequences for their rents um, because we were not the economical st steady or stronger party. We were just another working class family coming in a working class neighborhood. Uh, so the working class of the north side of Amsterdam uh, got more color, but it was still working class. And the new newcomers, they uh, yeah, they have a lot of consequences on a, on the economical mm. parts. So before we, I just want to say 
I was born and raised in Amsterdam North, which hey. I'm very, very proud of. <laughs> I remember we moved to the center of Amsterdam, and um, I was quite I was quite sad because um, I was able to play outside so much when I when I uh, was living in Amsterdam North, and that really I really remember that time as being the end of an end of my playing outside, ice cream man, uh, part of youth. But I also feel like very much that we were, you were talk, saying the word community, and I feel that people with money um, that are ready to buy a house or were able to pay a, lot of, pay a large amount of rent, they kind of want to live in something that is a community. A community is already maybe something which you call a home, you know? It's a, like a house is just... A house can be anywhere, yeah. but a home is like this little area here or this little area here. And I really think it's interesting how people um, want to live in a community, but then obviously when they are in this community, they kind of feel like they want to start their own community. Mm. So that's that's something I really find interesting. Um, also, you, you were talking about your family, uh, hip-hop music and religion. Um you came to Holland as a refugee. You 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 speak for large crowds. Uh, municipality invites you. Institutes invite you. I guess these are a lot of times uh, also very much white spaces. Do you feel comfortable in those? And um, what are the things that you come across, or that that makes it maybe difficult? Uh, that's a great question. I didn't know you were born and raised in on the north side of Amsterdam. Uh, that's a blessing. Yes, I know. <laughs> <a blessing>. <laughs> I <laughs> guess um, we square. <laughs> uh, yes. Outside, I know. Now, most of the time, the, those uh, spaces, uh, which in some form are politically, uh, like the city council or uh, another thing from governments, mostly I say no to those uh, because I've experienced that they uh, invite you just to just to show that. Yes, he is here with us. We are okay. Mm. You know, this this critical guy token uh, educate us. Yeah, yes, and 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 educate us. But it's not. It's an, it's incidental. So it's not structural. Uh, structural. And uh, if it if it is like that, then I'm very open to it. Uh, mostly, I don't feel very comfortable at, uh, in those spaces because um, I don't feel uh, that people are um, respecting me enough. Mm -hmm. uh, because I don't have the traditionally uh, background of the university and the sociology or anything, but uh, you should take me very seriously. And and uh, I work very hard for mm -hmm. the things that I do, and I know what I'm talking about, and it's not only an, uh, someone from an academical point of view talking all these cold, uh, important stuff but it is re really from inside and most of the people at, at those places they have the best intentions that's not something that I'm doubting but they are not in their personal life in a marginalized place mm -hmm. so they cannot get that and that's very fundamental and if you if you are from a green party in the city council of a city like Amsterdam you can talk a lot of stuff about being progressive and being for the working class and for emancipation but if you have a, uh, if you have bought a home and your 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 direct surroundings are very safe and everything is pretty okay, and you, you do not mix enough with the people who are uh, where you actually talk about all all day long, uh, it creates a distance. So so mostly when I'm at those places, I feel that distance. And people mean the best things and they have great intentions. And I believe that. Our city council has a lot of great people who are, if if they were put in a position to make actual change, that they would. Mm -hmm. So that is that's that gives me hope. But I feel a distance, the, the urgency of mm -hmm. uh, from the place from which they are op operating and from which I am operating is very uh, different. Mm -hmm. Also, like I I if I if I hear you talking about progressive people or progressiveness, I also always think like, because I'm at some point, you know, people who are progressive, they also have a kind of arrogance sometimes. Yeah. How do you deal with that? Yeah, so that's what I meant with not being judgmental. Yeah. And and uh, the arrogancy is something that's very difficult. So so the biggest challenge for me is to uh, uh, 
stay, keep my solidarity. Mm. So even even if people show arrogance or even if people show problematic behavior or damage in one shape or form, the neighborhood still see the human in them and and still uh, realize that they are not actually the enemy. Uh, we are neighbors and we should live together. And uh, but at first, as you can read in my book, the first chapters are very angry, uh, and and that that's my process. So I. I fr- at first, I was very angry at the symptoms. So the actual people, the faces that I saw, the uh, shops that were uh, being opened in the neighborhood, and then I saw uh, the system, and and that's where I where I realized that's what I'm mad about. That's yeah, where yeah, I get yeah. very emotional about and angry, uh, and not uh, 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 an individual. Yeah. Um, but there are. Uh, yes, these individuals are symptoms of the yeah. of that system. Sometimes I feel that anger as well when um, when I see like the the food that my parents made or my grandmother made being sold by people that mm-hmm. have no clue, you know, yeah. and they're making so much money out of like falafel yeah. and like yeah, yeah. all these like Middle East, and I'm like, huh? But that's that should go to my community, you know what I mean? Like, so I, I feel I, yeah. I understand your anger because they know how to market it, you know, yes. and it's like. So. And 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 there's this difference about uh, uh, between appreciation and appropriation, mm-hmm. and and that's also a colonial part. You know, mm-hmm. uh, uh, religious spaces being taken over by yoga studios, it had exactly the same function in the neighborhood, but we called it differently, mm-hmm. yeah. and and it served a different uh, group, but it had exactly the same function uh, in in the neighborhood, and um, yeah, so it is very complex. But we we try to uh, we are making a list of things for the new inhabitants of North. Uh, <laughs> welcome in the North side, uh, but uh, please take us into consideration. And these things you have to do: read my book <laughs> and inform yourself. Go to these shops. Uh, inform yourself about this neighborhood, about the history and the culture, and um, yeah, uh, give as much as you take or more, and uh, become part of really part of of the community not not only just um talking about it you know people uh, the progressive people that we've talked about like to uh, like to live in a neighborhood where a lot of cultures are uh, living together but they put their children in different type of schools which actually only segregates more so so those things why do you do that what are those mechanisms uh, uh, and apply that self reflection on yourself and a podcast like Nice White Parents this year, which is my favorite podcast of the year, I talk about it as, as well in my book, uh, is a great research and a great series of how uh, those mechanisms segregate schools uh, of, of white parents yeah. who have the it's best about, intentions. Yeah, it's about awareness, right? Awareness, yeah. Yeah, you're talking about this podcast, uh, Nice White Parents. And what you see there is that those um, nice white parents, they try to do good, come in neighborhoods as white saviors. Um, When I was listening to this podcast, I thought, is it even possible for white people with a a higher education, who have always been uh, told that they do very good stuff and that, um, that, that they never had a lot of backlash, do you think they they can put themselves in the position by listening to what people need instead of um, thinking for others? I think they can. Yeah. I think they can. In our group, we have uh, uh, we have these these uh, people, um, but but I think the the biggest part is to dare to be uncomfortable, mm. dare to reflect on yourself, and let people reflect on you. Uh, there to look at how much space you take in, but also there to to serve. Yeah. So if you have uh, this luggage of education and uh, privilege and all those great things that uh, apply to your life and make your life more comfortable, uh, there to let that serve other people who ha- have not uh, do not have those things. Mm. Uh, I think they can definitely, but. My question is, why don't you all do that? Mm. But uh, yes, so the, the thing is, we don't wait on that. Mm. We, we like to inform people and be actively involved to, to get more allies and especially 
take our own responsibilities. Let, let me state it clear. We have a responsibility as well to defend ourselves and stand up for ourselves. Because if I only relied on them, then I would feed the white saviorism. I need you to, ha to save us. No, I need you to serve us. Mm. And we can save ourselves. Yeah. Uh, but, but serve us in that. And we have to do that together. Because once again, we are not each other's enemy. We are each other's opponent maybe, but we are not each other's enemy. Um, yeah. And, and I think what, what gives me hope is I see more and more people being aware. Mm. And that, uh, yeah. I think the future is, is bright if I look at that, yeah. Everybody reads your book, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's all read it. Yeah. As a host from the Talking Tough team, um, we also not only want to talk about it, but also want to be, be about, about it. it, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we are very happy that we have a good um, budget for you to give to a good cause. Um, you've spoken about a lot of things, your book, uh, the Verdedig Noord, Protect Noord organization. Um, where would you want this uh, budget to go to? Yeah, so first of all, thanks for having me. Thanks for giving me the uh, opportunity to do a, a great, uh, do a great thing like this. I would really like the budget to go to the food bank in Amsterdam, in the north side of Amsterdam, because it's a very important place for a lot of people still, uh, even though a lot of wealth has come to these neighborhoods the last decade. People are still living in poor, poor conditions, especially mm. a year like this, a pandemic. Mm. Um, and the food bank is a, is a great place, which I trust, who do great things. And I would like to uh, support them, especially through the rough winter months that are ahead of us. So that's the organization. Well, uh, <laughs> we don't know about how 2021 is going to be yet, But, Shamiro, you can tell him. Well, <laughs> um, Dr. Martens have decided to double the amount. So double the amount goes to the food organization, health wow. organization. Food bank. In the food North. bank. Sorry. Yeah, Sorry. Wow. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. I'm sure that a lot of people are being helped with that. Thanks. Beautiful things you're doing, man. Like Thank such you. an uh, such an honor. A square, oh. a statue. I think we have to rewrite this whole introduction of Massey. Yeah. Like, in about five years, this whole list is like colonist, writer, <laughs> father, uh, rapper, Music musician, preacher, uh, preacher uh, mayor. No holy man, growing man. Science limits. Growing man. Growing man. Growing And let me please, please state this. I do not do this alone. I'm sitting here, but uh, uh, defend the Nord, the group. Is, is my backbone. Shout out. Shout out to them. Okay. I read Shout the book. Amsterdam Noordside. Thanks, yes. Het is gewoon verdubbeld? Ja. Ja, vriend. What? So, this was a great talk. I think it's very, very uh, important and interesting for people around the world to hear about this topic. It mm. takes place everywhere. And I want to thank you for, for enlightening us, uh, sharing this with us. Um, it was an honor to have you. Yeah, thank yeah. you. Honor being here. I'm a fan. Thank you, man. Thank you, yeah. guys. Yes.